new place in life where our children, um, they, they actually need more money from us, but <laughs> they don't net us anything. So <laughs> I'm totally kidding, kind of. So uh, with that, uh, as I talk about generosity, I, I want you to know the, the Matthews uh, are paying to Caesar and, uh, and to the Lord, just like all families uh, or many families, and uh, we, we do so with joy. We are great. We'll, we feel like we're, we live in one of the nicest places in the country to live in. I mean, really, where, where would you rather be besides Hawaii right now or Southern California? Really, Kai? Right, no need to share where. Uh, but so grateful. And as we talk about generosity today, I want to tell you straight up, I think generosity has everything to do with your relationship with Jesus. I'm going to try to show you that. That it's that the what, how you manage money has everything to do with your personal trust in Jesus Christ. And money has that ability to really make us uncomfortable if we place too much trust in it. And so I, I want to I have fun today as I talk about uh, challenging you to make some considerations as it relates to your money. Now, I got to tell you, one of the considerations I challenged you on last year came from Dave Ramsey, and that is accumulating an extra, having a $5,000 savings account um, so that you could handle major uh, issues in your home. That's a, that's a goal I think you should continue to pursue and then eventually have three months' salary saved. Um, savings is, is an important discipline that comes from the Scripture. But giving has actually has value even before all other financial disciplines. It, it should come first. And so as I ask you to take a step towards generosity, um, you, you're going to have, all of you are going to be at different places. Some of you may be at one of, the, one of two of the most difficult steps, which is taking a step for the first time in giving to the church you call home. Making a first-time gift. And I get, uh, I get notified when someone makes a first-time gift and try to send a note to them. I may have missed you. I apologize if that's the case. And the idea of giving to a church for you this morning might feel like, wow, you know, not interested. And we, we, we're, a, we're a come casual, give you your own privacy type church, okay? And I'll tell you more about that. But I want to challenge you to a first-time gift, not to our church. I want to challenge you to make a first-time gift to, I think, what is one of the greatest organizations on this planet. And it is AIM. AIM. AIM is an organization that is fighting for the abolition of sex trafficking. They're fighting for the end of sex trafficking. Some 27 million are trafficked globally. And they're in the heart of an area in Cambodia. My former boss, Supervisor Don Brewster is on the leadership team. We have, some, we have a staff member here in our church. I want to challenge you to give a first-time gift to this organization. In the last two weeks, we've received uh, $330. I think it would be great if we hit uh, a couple thousand dollars. So I want to consider that. See if Jesus is prompting you to make that kind of decision. First-time gift, make it to, um, to AIM. Now, you might be like, you know what? I'm, I've made a first-time gift. Bring it on. Give me another challenge. And maybe you're, you're sensing a chemistry with adventure and what God is doing here. It is by the grace of God that our church is growing and has more opportunities as we're having this, this, this winter, actually. 
Um, but you may be finding yourself aligning with our vision. And our vision is to bring Jesus' hope to our community, to bring Jesus' hope to the lives of young people who will bring Jesus' hope to their own generation in, here in Natomas, where some 25,000 new residents will be moving in the next 10 years. Did you know that? 25,000, 10,000 of those residents will be young people, newborn through 18. And so we want to be ready for that, in, that increase. And one little gift God gave us last fall that reminded me of how important our work is came from one of my neighbors, Ariana Cramsey, age seven, first grader, Heron School. She, her parents are neighbors of mine, and they posted on Facebook, if you're their friends, uh, that their daughter went to school and was asked to share what she wanted to do when she grew up. And she said this, I want to be a missionary and go tell the world about Jesus. And she shared this with her classroom, okay? And then she brought it home, or her parents found out about it, and uh, her parents are a friend of mine, and they were like, oh, tell us about this. What, what are you planning with your life? This missionary work? They were, they were a little shocked, and uh, they posted this on Facebook, and they asked her, where did you get this idea? And she said, at Vacation Bible School. And so here's, here's the, the take-home as it relates to Adventure's vision. You, you, sh- you bring Jesus' hope to the life of a seven-year-old during a very critical week during our summer vacation Bible school where we cooperate with other churches in the area. You bring Jesus' hope to a seven-year-old, that seven-year-old will bring Jesus' hope unashamedly, publicly, with a, with a poster board. She'll bring Jesus' hope to her first-grade classroom. And she'll cast a vision with her first-grade classroom that the world needs to hear about Jesus. <laughs> Can you, is that not a great gospel message? <laughs> happening in that class. And so the idea is that what we do here to help support families and bring hope to families affects the schools. It affects our whole community. You want to see Natomas become not just a gateway community where people live for a few years till they can leave and afford something else. Then you make a decision that I'm going to invest in the kingdom of God right here in Natomas. What Natomas needs more than more than a great IB program and great AP classes and safe campuses. What, it, what Natomas needs more than a Kaiser Hospital, which I'm hopeful we'll get. Uh, what Natomas needs more than, um, than uh, new campuses, which we will need for more students. Natomas needs families that are led by the Holy Spirit. Spirit-led homes that are praying together, that are sharing scripture together, and that are bringing Jesus' hope to our community. But it starts in the home. It starts with a a single mom or dad reaching out to the Lord. It starts with a husband and wife praying together. That's what our community needs to be a strong community. It needs Jesus. And all the other stuff is great. But without Jesus, it's not going to bring us anywhere. So maybe you're at a place, hey, you know what? I'm going to start giving on a a consistent basis. Kind of like paying your uh, your. AT&T mobile phone bill, you know? You make a decision, I'm gonna start giving a little bit regularly to adventure and help them with their vision to bring Jesus hope to our community. I'm in on that. And you might be saying, you know what? I've been doing that for a while, off and on. I wanna become more intentional 
in the same way that if you were to plan a, 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 you know, a, a Roth IRA or a 403B matching fund or 401k, you would become systematic and intentional in your retirement savings uh, if it were possible for you. Maybe you decide, I'm going to take a step. We're going to do one as a family of intentional giving, okay? And when you make a decision like this, you pray about it. You're on the same page together if you're married. You don't make this on your own. And it's these kind of conversations, well, I want to tell you, they can end kind of romantically, but initially they're not always a lot of fun, right? Are you with me? Kind of. Okay, so, but, but you, want to, you want to pray about them together. You don't make a decision, hey, this is what we're going to do. That's how to ensure that you have a bad weekend. Okay, you make it together, right? <clears throat> then some of you might be like, you know what? Uh, some of you are like, hey, put that down. I don't want to see that. <laughs> no, some of you might have the kind of faith together where you want to make a decision based on principle, not on rule or law, but a, a a decision based out of the, of the uh, Old Testament to practice the uh, generosity of tithing, where you want to start setting a significant part of your income aside, the net or the gross, whatever you want to do, or, uh, and it could be 2.5%, it could be 5%, it could be 7.5%, it could be whatever, or 10% as the patriarchs practiced. You feel like you want to do that, and I think there's good reason if you're able to do that, of moving that direction. Um, because it, as you give more and more to the Lord, you're going to grow in your faith. It's going to help you. That may be where you're at, a percentage giver. The other challenge that one of my friends actually has taken in our church, he's the only one that I know that does this because I don't see anyone's giving, but he's a dear friend. He made a decision to give radically, to increase his giving 1% every year. And if you were to ask him, hey, are you are you missing it? Are you, are you okay? I mean, are you doing? He would say, you know what? It's all the Lord's. God's been blessing me more than I could even imagine. And so people that want to start giving radically over a percentage, they, want to, they actually want to give even more than 10%, they typically feel like they have more than they need, and they get tremendous significance out of just giving generously to ministries, and giving generously to the church, they, it really, they feel like God has given them a gift of managing and making more money than they need. And part of being good stewards of that is giving it to people that really need it. It's not unusual. And uh, so uh, what I want to challenge you to, if, if you're considering becoming a radical giver, I, and you're already a tither. I want to challenge you to increasing, to increase your giving this, at least for the next three months, if not for the next year, by making a monthly gift to AIM, 50 bucks a month. Uh, we have one person, or no, two persons that have done that. So already Adventure has increased their giving to AIM, $100 a month. If we had 20 people that did this, that'd be $1,000 a month to help them out. Wouldn't that be awesome? It is. It would, be, it would make a huge dent on their ministry. So maybe if you're considering radical giving, maybe that's your step. And that table is out there at the well for you to consider. I have said this over and over, but I just want you to know that's between you and Jesus. Okay? You and Jesus. That is not between uh, you and me. That is between you and the Lord. And I think what you'll discover is that God blesses you. Now, someone came to me at 
perhaps one of our mutually favorite Mexican restaurants. I don't know the name of it. It's over next to Cold Stones. They came to me and said, Scott, thank you so much for talking to me about talking about finances last weekend because we just got a real scare from the IRS. And it was just good to be reminded that it's all the Lord's, that we don't need to worry. I was encouraged to hear that. I had another friend come to my door yesterday and just share with me that he was gifted, he and his wife were gifted with a trip to Puerto Vallarta. Someone canceled, the, uh, the cancellation was not reimbursable, and so they were asked to go to Puerto Vallarta for several days, I don't remember how long, all expenses paid for $300. I'm like, I'm in, when, when's, when are we going? Uh, I mean, God is the provider. He's the, the, the scriptures say that, uh, that, um, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. And so as you think about giving, always remember who is the true giver. It's the Lord that cares for us when we're struggling with IRS uh, bills and the Lord provides for us when we love a vacation and we get something extravagant like that. Now what I provided for you uh, this morning is a decision card that is between you and the Lord and or your spouse if you're married. And inside of your programs, there's a decision card that I want you to fill out this week. You can, you can submit it today or, th- or the next couple weeks. But what it is, is it's a self-addressed, it's an envelope that we want you to self-address. You make a decision about a step you're going to take, and we'll send you this card without unsealing the envelope. We'll send you this card in three months for you to see if you're following through with what you sense the Holy Spirit was asking you to do. So... Pray about that and give us a chance simply to encourage you. Don't let this morning, if you're like, you know what? We have gone through such a difficult time. I remember when my grandfather passed away in uh, Billings and I didn't have the cash to make several flights back and forth, had to charge it and then pay it down. I realize we go through seasons that are very difficult. I realize that, uh, that, uh, that we can feel condemned because we can't give at, during a certain season in our lives because our spouse left and our finances are in turmoil. Or we, we're experiencing unemployment and it's lasted way longer than we expected. Or I can't because of all the health stuff going on in my body. As we talk about giving, I want you to experience the grace, the mercy and peace of Jesus. Do not feel guilty. Don't feel in any way treated any different than anybody else. We have wanted our church to be that way, to be a church where people have, their giving is held in great confidence and uh, they don't have to be worried about getting a phone call. Hey, you're kind of slacking up. What's going on? Not going to happen here. That's gross. That would make me uncomfortable even talking or having a friend like that. So don't feel condemned. On one occasion, some guy spoke up about giving. Jesus was doing a Q&A. This is in Luke chapter 12. I want you to see it because this guy does something that really captures Jesus' attention. Perhaps you've never seen it before. There'll be considerable scripture reading this morning. In Luke chapter 12, uh, in verse 13, the scripture says that someone said, someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to to divide the inheritance with me. And if you've not been in a family situation where there's been an inheritance and there's been an executor that was selected, wow, those can be very tense situations. Anybody been there? Raise your hand. Yeah, not a lot of fun. 
you really have to pray through that and make certain that you make good decisions. Well, this guy says, hey, Jesus, Rabbi Jesus, would you oversee the, would you be the executor on our estate? And Jesus says, look, verse 14, Jesus replied, seriously? No, not quite. He said, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said this, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Let that resonate. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. True life, true zoe, as Jesus would describe it, does not consist in the abundance of my possessions. Where is it? I'll share with you a little bit more where it's at. Watch out. Some people say as it relates to taking the next step, they say, hey, if I had more, I would be more generous. Or they'll say, if I made twice as much, then I would be generous. So Jesus tells this story. He's a great storyteller. In verse 14, rather in verse uh, 16, Jesus says this. He told the parable. He said, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good, tro- a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Wow. Wow. Let me pause here for a moment to quote Jesus. What if this very night your life was demanded of you? Tonight. What if this guy's night was your night tonight? Are you ready? I wonder if you were brought here by the Holy Spirit today because God wanted to talk to you about your obstacle towards generosity and your, your desire to acquire that's out of control. Are you willing to, today to, to consider that you're easily controlled by the obstacle of getting? Are you willing to acknowledge that what you have is from Jesus? and surrender control of your life and cash flow to him. That's what it's about. You know, all throughout the Bible, I remember one time my grandfather uh, told me when I was a 15-year-old and I was studying the Bible, he said, you know, one of the problems I've always had with the Bible is the challenge they have with giving. He said, I can't deal with the idea that I'm supposed to be, I have to give everything I have away. Did you know, honestly, the Lord is witness. The Bible never says that. The early church, No one was ever told you need to give everything you have, ever. People were told to give out of the generosity of their heart. So that, I hope I can, I hope you can just set that, that stumbling block aside. That our gifts are to be willingly given, cheerfully given. It should be a joy. It should be fun. And you read a story about this guy and you might think, well, yeah, if you had that much, you'd be generous too. If I was rich, yeah, I would be generous Oh, but you are rich. If you have room for your cars in your garage, or you have room where your cars should fit in your garage, then 
According to global economics, you're very rich. If you have a gadget to turn up the heat in your home, a thermostat, you're rich. If you have a little closet in your hallway where you can store food, we call it a pantry, you're rich. If you make more, if your household income is more than $27,000 a year, you're in the top 4% of the world's wage workers. It's not about having the money to take a step with generosity. It comes down to heart. We're, we're generous people in, in, in the U.S. You know what we spent on Christmas last year? $650 billion. You know what we spent on Halloween costumes for our pets last year? $350 million. Divide that out, man. That's a, those are nice costumes. Okay. The problem with this farmer is the same with us as it relates to what Jesus has entrusted us. We forget that everything we have is God's. Who caused our crops to grow or our wages to go up? God. Who caused the bumper crop, the unusual surplus? God. Who gave this farmer the strength to make all that he had? God. But what is our default thinking as it relates to money? It's all in this parable. I'll read it out loud. He thought to himself. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. There I will store all of my grain and my goods. I will say to myself, self, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Self, take life easy. Self, eat. Self, drink. Self, be merry. Everything's about him. Notice his spouse is not mentioned here. (laughs) I don't know why. Uh, Maybe because there's no room for her. Uh, It's all about him. Boy, I wonder, what if, what if, what if you're on the edge, personally, of experiencing significant promotion, significant opportunity? What if you're at that point where, if you turn back and go the other direction right now, it could be a, a defining moment in your life, okay? But you're at a place right now where, though it doesn't look like it, by faith, God could really do something significant for you personally, professionally. Some big doors could open for you that you've dreamed about. How will you handle it? How will you handle all of a sudden, you know, being entrusted with much more? You might say, oh, bring it on, I'm ready. The Hebrews, the Jews that entered the promised land, they had to deal with this stress. They were inheriting vineyards that they didn't plant, wells that they didn't dig, houses that they didn't build, gardens that they didn't plant. They were inheriting the beautiful land of the promise. And God wanted to remind them before they went in. This is always a verse worth repeating. By principle, it's true. The Old Testament provides us great principle, great illustration that still deserves our attention. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. God is the one who gives us the ability and provides us for us generously. How do we overcome this obstacle of getting personally? Always wanting more. And I struggle with this. When, honestly, when I go into Home Depot, it's ridiculous. I walk in, I just look at all those tool sections, and I just, I just, 
I just salivate. And I, or I go into the home and garden, and I wonder what tools I could buy and my wife not see on her account. You know, I just, it's beautiful. I know one of the guys there by name. We talk maybe longer than we should. Uh, it's, but how do I overcome this, this default mode of always wanting more? The answer is giving. And, and it's a problem for us. We have lots of debt. Uh, I, have, I have some credit card debt. The, the average American has $15,500 worth of credit card debt. The average American has a mortgage debt of $153,000. How many of you are like, wouldn't that be nice? The average student loan is $32,000. And debt is this decision that we make when we don't have the money, we decide I'm going to get it anyway. Now, some folks have accumulated debt because of something that happens to you, medical bills, a family breakup, long-term unemployment. That's not the kind of debt we're talking about. Or as I mentioned, having to pay for flights, for medical that you didn't have savings for. We're talking about the kind of debt that says, I want more stuff and I'm willing to spend, intentionally spend dollars on my credit card if necessary. What's one of the obstacles to giving? One of them is debt. The second is fear. I'm afraid of not having enough. And just in case God doesn't care about me, I'm going I'm to I'm hold on to this. Once I'm cared for, then I'm going to be generous. This is what the farmer did. He said, hey, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones, and there I will store all of my grain and all of my goods. Finances can scare us. God wants us to put our trust in Him, not our money, but in Him. And when you give, when you make that first time or that consistent decision to give to Him first, what it does is it takes the pressure off you of having to worry about who's going to provide. You're saying, hey, God's my provider. I don't, I, don't, I don't trust in myself. I trust in Him to provide. Thirdly, disordered priorities can be an obstacle to giving. Uh, folks may say, hey, I'm going to get on this journey of taking a step towards generosity, but first I'm going to take care of my own priorities. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm just going to wait and as soon as I get everything together, then I'll let you know I'm going to take a step. But for right now, I'm just going to stand here. Folks, that's what 50% of American congregants decide, that, that they're not going to give. And I got to tell you, I think they're missing out on a more vibrant personal relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit of trusting him with their finances. And that lack of faith will affect other steps that they make. When I'm willing to trust Jesus with my dollars, I'm willing to go forward in steps of faith in other areas related to my profession, related to my relationships, related to how I want to care for my wife. It's, you know, I, I think it's critical for us to honor and fight for the hearts of our spouses. And, and that means sometimes spending some money. I think it's important. I do. I'd love to be very generous with Mrs. Matthews. I get great kisses that follow. Uh, <clears throat> but but, but if, if you're not careful, you, you, can, you can get uh, dis, disordered priorities can really mess with you. And you can, you can be just on the sidelines saying, hey, I'm, I'm just going to wait. I, I can't do that yet. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. Move forward. Give to aim even this morning. I challenge you. See yourself as some of the richest people on the planet. 
The other obstacle is greed. This is much easier to see in others. Greed is the insatiable desire, the unsatisfiable desire for more. You always want more. It's likened to idolatry in the New Testament. We, got it. we, I think, as Americans who have more choices than anyone on the planet, more options than anyone on the planet, we have to guard ourselves against this. Giving helps me overcome the obstacle of getting. Lastly, temporary life is an, is an obstacle. When developing a will, you're asked, with whom are you going to leave your stuff? When you're, when you're developing a will, they don't ask you, where are you taking all of your stuff? Where are you taking it with you? Because life is temporary. You can't take it with you. I want to end on a real positive note that, of a story that really inspires me. Turn over a few chapters to Luke 16. I want you to see an example of God saying to somebody, at a boy, I love the way you're using money. This is a guy who had access to quite a portfolio. And Jesus compliments the way he uses it. I love this. It There's a lot of wisdom in here. It's kind of lengthy. Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 15. Here it is. Jesus commends a shrewd manager who probably could have gotten arrested. Here it is. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. So that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. Here it is. So he called in one of his master's debtors. He asked him first, he asked first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. It's brutal. The manager told him, take your bill, write down, sit down quickly and make it 400. Lottery, lottery winner. Verse 7, then he asked the second, how much do you owe? 8,000 bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill, make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. It's all going to be gone someday. Use it for eternal purposes. Verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little will also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is very direct. You can't serve God and money. Money can really distract the heart. And so to the rich, he he teaches Paul that the rich should be generous. We're commanded to be generous as some of the wealthiest people in the world. Now, I've wondered, Luke 16, did you like that narrative, that story? I mean, Jesus is saying, this guy... Smart, shrewd. He, he built relationships. What's, what are, what's the take home? Let's take how the shrewd manager made decisions and let's apply it to the farmer who had more grain than he knew what to do with. This is how I think the farmer should have thought. First, you think to yourself, nothing wrong with that. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. This is what I'll do. Number one, I'm going to start 
by praying for the Holy Spirit's leading in my life. That's what I've asked you to do today, to pray. Go to the Lord and ask for direction. I'm going to start by giving a surplus of my grain to the poor. What I have extra, I'm giving it away. I'm going to start intentionally connecting with a new community of farmers that I will befriend and offer any help to. I'm going to become a mentor, a coach, if these guys are willing. I'm going to help them develop their farms. I'm going to trust that the same God that gave me these skills and profits will continue to take care of me. I'm going to be content with what I have, and I'm going to save for my family's needs. There'll be some for my family, but I'm going to grow old with lots of friends, some whom I may spend eternity with as a result of sharing my story and my life with them. I'm going to use my money to bless other people. I'm not going to use people to get money. I think that's how he would have done it. I think that's the challenge we have at Adventure, that we live in a community that, that struggles to be generous. While Adventure is a generous church, statistically, we can do better for a church our size. We can do better. And I want to ask you, do you see yourself in Natomas as a missionary here? Has God sent you here for a purpose? Are there, are there lives? I was listening to Jason uh, Gorski tell me about his teaching point in North Highlands. I was so motivated. God, I believe, sent him there. That's, that's his ministry. And Kendra as well at Heron School. We're here as missionaries, a place where some 17 languages are spoken right here in Natomas. You don't have to be a missionary to, to uh, Thailand or Laos or Vietnam or India. You can do that right here in Natomas. Go to, uh, go to Barnes & Noble. <laughs> Go to Bellabrew. There's ample opportunity. We see adventurers doing life with their neighbors, opening their homes, and intentionally connecting with one another in front yard living. As the Spirit leads, adventurers, we see articulating the good news and sh- by sharing Jesus with others, teaching people what it means to follow Jesus, even baptizing their own neighbors in their home, in their spas. We believe that God has provided us the home we have as a ministry. Can you see what would happen if you followed the Spirit's lead in becoming a missionary right here to your neighbors? Let me tell you, we'd have more Ariana Cramsies that are standing up in class saying, I'm going to go to the whole world and tell everyone about Jesus. Giving helps us overcome this obstacle of getting. I challenge you this morning to start removing obstacles of generosity. What are yours? Is debt an obstacle? Is fear an obstacle? Is a disordered priority an obstacle? Is greed an obstacle? Is temporary living an obstacle? I don't know what it is for you, but I want to challenge you to start addressing those so you can be generous. Adventure is about ready to achieve a milestone in just less than two weeks. In two weeks, we are bringing on a high-capacity, high-character, next-generation pastor for our community. In just two weeks, he will be here. And he's coming here because Adventure is a generous church that made this happen. He's going to help come alongside our high-energy volunteers and, um, and staff members and help us really absorb all the young people we have at a higher level here in Natomas. Not to take away from the workers we have, but they are ready. Some of them are tapping out. I'm married to one of them. She's ready for a break. Folks, God is providing for us. Will you consider yourself a missionary here and take a step? 
I provided you that card this week to take home and pray about what, what is Jesus, the Holy Spirit, asking you to do. I want you to pray. Bring this back next week or the week after and let us send this to you in May as a reminder of what your heart's desire is. Before I close, I mentioned to you that this guy was stuck. Money had become an obstacle for him. It was controlling him. That farmer, does it control you? Or are you controlled by the Holy Spirit? Who leads you? Who leads you? Who's motivating that heart of yours? The scripture teaches us when we make Jesus Lord, that the Spirit comes in and writes Jesus' heart on our heart. The law is written on our hearts so that we desire to follow him. Have you made that first time decision? To accept that what Jesus suffered on that cross was for you. And to give him control, leadership, lordship over everything you have. And it doesn't mean that you're like, eh, I'm going to get rid of everything and life just stinks. You walk away. No. It just means you look to him to provide. It takes pressure off yourself. And you ask, Holy Spirit, how are you leading me? Some of you may be here today contemplating big decisions. My prayer this week is you say, not my will be done, but God, your will be done. Spirit, you lead me. And you'll find he will be ready. If I describe you today, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for friends, fellow Natomas family and, and regional community where we get to learn what it means to put you first. And God, I know that this, this money stuff is tough for folks to talk about. But I pray when they are willing to have the courage to talk about it, that it's in light of the fact that your son Jesus is who provides everything we have. Lord, I also, I pray for the person that's here that has, is stuck on money, that it is there, if they were really honest, it's the source of their greatest joy. And I pray that you'll help them rechannel that source to your hands and your provision, that they'll see you, Jesus, as the source of their greatest joy, not their money. If that describes you, I want to ask you right from where you're seated to simply say, Jesus, help me discover all my joy in you. I accept that what, you're, what you experienced on the cross was for me. I'm willing to make you the leader of my life, and I'm willing to trust you with my finances. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Thank you, thank you. God bless you guys. Craig.